0: Welcome to Revival Leadership Insights with Ed Crenshaw, a podcast for empowering and equipping leaders for revival in the greater Philadelphia region and throughout our nation. Thanks for tuning in today. If you are enjoying these podcasts, we invite you to subscribe, follow us on Facebook, and to check out edcrenshaw.com for free resources to train church leaders today for revival tomorrow. for being with us online. We believe God is really going to continue the work that He's already been doing in this service. He's going to touch you and bring, I believe, happiness because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the Beatitudes where Jesus says these certain qualities will bring real happiness, real blessing into our lives. But as we Begin the last sermon in this series. I'm reminded of a conversation I had this past week with a ministry couple who have a ministry where they conduct conferences all over the world. And they were really excited a few years back to have received an invitation to do a conference in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, what do you think of when you think about going to Hawaii? You probably think about the closest thing to paradise here on earth. And you wouldn't be far wrong. I mean, Hawaii is all that it's cracked up to be and more in the way I look at it. So these people were very excited to be able to go to Hawaii where their transportation was going to be covered and their lodging was going to be covered because, you know, they don't make a lot of money, but this was going to be an opportunity for them to go somewhere they'd never been before and to really enjoy. And uh, when they got there... You know, with these visions of, you know, just beautiful beaches and palm trees and all that kind of thing, much to their shock, their host took them to what was probably the worst hotel in all of Hawaii. I mean, to hear this couple talk about it, it sounds horrendous. And they didn't go into a lot of details, but instead of, tropical paradise there. We're in hotel hell, and I think about some of the hotels I've been to a couple of times in my life, and uh, not very pleasant. So have you ever had super high expectations only to have those expectations dashed? Of course, we've all experienced that, and there might be even a little bit of that feeling as we promoted a sermon series called Discover Happy and then we talk about all these things that are not necessarily positive situations that Jesus said, instead of pulling you down, will really make you happy, like being poor in spirit and the meek or the humble of the earth and being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And, you know, that was kind of a shocker when Jesus said those things in the first place. But as we've gone through these seven so-far Beatitudes, ready for the eighth one today, we have been on something of a journey. And it would be easy to think that as we've gone on this journey, we've recognized our need for God, we're hungering and thirsting for Him, we are merciful, we've learned how to be peacemakers. And now now that we've engaged in this journey and we've arrived, arrived at our destination, Doesn't it seem like we ought to be able to just kick back on a tropical beach, drink one of those fancy drinks with the umbrella in it, you know? I don't know what they are. I don't drink them, so don't worry about that. But you know what I mean? Kick back and relax. Relax. And yet we get to this last beatitude, we're arriving, we're at the pinnacle, we've made this progress and these beatitudes are progressive. They do represent different stages on a journey. We're gonna arrive and Jesus says in Matthew five ten. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I would have thought that after I have engaged in all of the qualities talked about in the Beatitudes, that people would just love me. They would love me because I'm one of the kindest, gentlest most peaceful, most loving people that you could ever meet. I'm more and more like Jesus. You ought to love me, right? And instead of promising me that everybody's gonna love me, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here's the crazy thing about this particular beatitude. It's the only one that Jesus adds additional commentary to. All the other Beatitudes kind of stand on their own, and of course, he kind of explains the values behind the Beatitudes, and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. But as far as specific references and explanations of any of the individual Beatitudes, this is the only one that Jesus expands on. So we continue in the next two verses as well. Matthew 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets were before you in other words we're kind of like a child going to Disney World and yet you know we're not getting our way and things are not going the way we would prefer and we develop a bad attitude and our parents say you're gonna have fun whether you like it or not did I ever say that to my daughter did I I did say that no I didn't (laughs) But it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Like Jesus is saying, you're going to rejoice whether you like it or not. It doesn't feel very good to be persecuted, does it? It doesn't feel very good to be rejected, to have family turn against you, to have people say bad things about you. It doesn't feel good at all. But Jesus says, you're blessed. You're going to have fun whether you like it or not. Point number one, Christians who live out Sermon on the Mount, Beatitude kind of Christianity, you will be persecuted. It's going to happen. You will be persecuted. Now, we in America, we have a constitutional right to freedom of religion, do we not? And we are very diligent, I hope we are, in preserving that right. And I think sometimes because we have the right of freedom of religion, we think that means we have the right of freedom from persecution. That's not what Jesus said. No, we can have freedom of religion. Praise God, we live in a country that is not as difficult in terms of persecution against Christians as some other parts of the world. Praise God for that. But (laughs) while we have a constitutional right to freedom of religion, we don't have a right to expect that we will never be persecuted, we're gonna be. We got to get ready. Amen. Get ready. It doesn't mean you've got to have to go out there and seek persecution. Please, doesn't mean you have to pray for it. Don't don't pray for temptations and difficult times. Pray lead us not into temptations, difficulties, trials. Amen. But they're gonna happen, and I think. We as the church in America would be a lot more effective if we lived out the Beatitudes. That's why I said a week or two ago that if we live this out, that's revival. We want revival. Revival, as we see scripturally, sometimes leads to persecution as well but let's quit acting like we should be completely free from insults. Let's quit acting like everybody's just supposed to love us, and if everybody doesn't love us, then you know maybe there's something wrong with our faith. No, we will be persecuted. <laughs> and, and, and don't be surprised. Quit getting so uptight and get so heated when somebody disagrees with you on social media, don't be so uptight about that. Learn to expect that in some ways we're going to get persecuted. And hopefully, if you are receiving a little bit of pushback on social media, it's because you're doing something good and not just, you know, doing something that deserves a little pushback. But Christianity, by its very nature, is producing followers of Jesus is going to produce those who will be persecuted. Paul was clear about that as well, and there are many other scriptures that point to this, but 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's it. It's gonna happen. So what is persecution? You know, we're gonna be persecuted, right? Everybody rejoicing about that? Amen, hallelujah, Woo. Where's Jonah? I need Jonah to come back and, you know shout a little bit for us so we will be persecuted what does that mean what does it mean to be persecuted well it means at least a couple of things that we see in scripture one and this is probably what we most often think about it means the possibility of dying for our faith we could die for taking a stand for christ we could die for being christians this past sunday a week ago what happened did anybody see the news 50 people gunned down, murdered in a church in Nigeria, in Ondo State. I mean, it's terrible. People are dying for their faith all over the world. And I believe that we need to have an understanding of the persecuted church today in the world that's beyond the, the borders of the United States. It's a reality out there, and we need to be conscious of that. Maybe someday we'll have a speaker from some other part of the world who will share with us about the persecuted church. But let's not stop there, because a lot of times when we think, well, dying for your faith, that's real persecution, so whatever we face doesn't really amount to very much. Not true. Not true. You might not be dying for your faith, but what Jesus lists here as another aspect of persecution is something very real, and that we have to deal with, and that can be painful as we deal with it, right? Matthew 5, verse 11, Jesus said, this is part of what it means to be persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they call you bad things because you don't do the bad things they do. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Insults and accusations are very real. Real. And we have to face those in our everyday world. Some of us have to face those in our very own families or in our workplaces. And, you know, it, it can be tough. We, we face that in school. We have a, a lot of teenagers in church right now, and, you know, some of them are probably trying to take a stand for their faith in the schools, and they're probably getting a little bit of ridicule about that. And, you know, I, I think as a parent... You know, one of the things that I, you know, sometimes was concerned about when my daughters were teenagers and in high school was, are they going to get picked on because of their faith? And uh, we don't want our kids to have to deal with that because of their religious beliefs. We don't want them to have to be insulted and ridiculed because they take a scriptural stand in their lives. And yet, we need to impart this truth to the next generation as well. We're gonna be insulted, and we're gonna be falsely accused of being evil if we take a scriptural stand. So, you know, I felt like when I was holding Haley and Anna as little babies, that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Ed, raise them in such a way that they're gonna be willing to lay down their lives for the gospel. And you know, that's a painful thing to think about as a parent. But yet, we must prepare Our kids for persecution we have to see you if living a godly life is going to bring persecution and it will you can't spare your children from that but you can prepare your children for that and you know I'll tell another story on Anna sorry I didn't get your permission Anna but uh, when Anna graduated from high school The high school made a decision that they couldn't use the football arena because they had to do some construction there. And so they weren't going to be able, the students, the graduates weren't going to be able to invite as many friends and family as they wanted to invite and that they usually had. And, you know, in our case, it meant grandparents coming, you know, halfway across the continent and not being able to go to the actual graduation. And that was kind of upsetting. So, Anna, along with a group of fellow seniors at Methacton High School decided they were going to have a walkout in protest of not being able to use the football field for graduation. And as a result, Anna got detention or something like that. And of course, after I found out about it, Anna, let's have a talk. And Anna was like, uh, y'all want to be in big trouble with Dad. No, she wasn't really scared of that, but she thought she was going to be in trouble, and. I feel like God gave me a word of wisdom. I said, did you learn a lesson from this? Like, what? Sometimes to take a stand for what you think is right is going to cost you. And I'm not saying taking a stand for where you're going to have your graduation ceremony is a righteous stand, but sometimes when we take a stand for what we feel is right, and especially for what we know from Scripture to be right, it's going to cost us, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So... Here's the thing, though. You just got to make sure that what you are standing for is a righteous cause. It's all right to have other agendas from time to time and take a stand for those, you know, as with graduation, as with a lot of political issues that we deal with in our culture. And thank God we live in a democracy where we're invited to participate in that kind of thing. But when we're talking about Persecution because of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, people who live out the Beatitudes, then it's very important that we make sure that as we embrace some degree of persecution, as we embrace some degree of ridicule and insults because of who we are and what we believe, that we make sure that what we're standing for is what Jesus would call righteousness. Look again at Matthew chapter 5. Verse 10, Jesus said blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the very next verse, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Notice the two reasons for persecution, for righteousness and because of Jesus. And really, the two are the same thing, because He is righteousness and he imparts to us righteousness and we live that out. And in Matthew, when it talks about living for righteousness, Matthew very strongly emphasizes the moral and ethical component of that righteousness. We got to do what's right and not do what's wrong. That's real righteousness. It's also about Jesus because of him. That means our witness for Jesus. How many of us, we hold back on witnessing because we're afraid we're gonna get ridiculed, but yet he's our friend, he's our savior, he's right there with us, right? And we never introduce him to somebody else because we're afraid of being insulted. So, you know, we've just gotta get ready for a little bit of pushback when we introduce other people to Jesus. Not everybody's going to like it. I had a fraternity brother in college who said, Ed, you can talk to me about Muhammad, and you can talk to me about Buddha, but don't ever talk to me about Jesus. There's something different about Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so part of righteousness and because of Jesus is our witness for him, but it's also involving who he is. And the Beatitudes are a reflection of the character of God. We look like Jesus. We become children of God because we're peacemakers and have instituted all these other values and characteristics of the Beatitudes in our lives. And so because we're looking like Jesus, then when we're persecuted, we've got to make sure it's because we look like Jesus. We're acting like Jesus. We are in the character of Jesus. We're not, you know, just... Harsh and mean and mean-spirited, you know what I'm talking about? It's not about just being abrasive and saying, well, you know, I'm just taking the stand for truth. I'm just taking the stand for righteousness. N- not, not if it's not in the character of Jesus. That's why Peter, when he's talking about our response to persecution, he says, you know, respond gently when people ask you about the hope that you have. And instead of returning evil for evil, when people insult you and mistreat you and persecute you, just continue to do good. And it's not coincidental that the next verses of the Sermon on the Mount talk about doing good, letting our light shine through our good deeds. It's got to be in the character of Jesus. It's got to look like him. And too much of what we think of, of as persecution, I'm being persecuted, it's really being persecuted for our political positions in America today. Stop it! Both sides, you've heard me preach regarding this for the last several months, for the last couple of years. It's been an issue. Let's being looked down upon because of a political opinion that's just an opinion is not being persecuted for righteousness. And, you know, man, there are a lot of things that perhaps are messed up on either side of whatever political situation you're looking at. But I think in most cases, our responses are not based on righteousness and the character of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So it's not about being political and abrasive. Being persecuted for righteousness and because of Jesus is not about being weird either. Anybody notice? Sometimes we Christians are just weird. Right? I know, you think I'm weird. But sometimes we just get weird, and, and we get unnecessarily abrasive. We, we get unnecessarily, you know, strange. Like, I mean, let's say you go with your family to Lancaster County. You see the Amish who live very different lives because of their faith history, right? And you come back and say, well, you know, I really like the way they live out being distinguished and set apart for god and i'm gonna make my you know kids wear those cute little amish outfits to school i'm not saying the amish are weird because they've got their own culture but you know you come back to our culture in suburban philadelphia and you make your kids wear amish clothes to school because of you know righteousness that's just weird Can I just say this? You don't always have to be preaching at everybody all the time. It doesn't always have to be, you know, trying to just shove religion down somebody's throat to be a good witness for Jesus. That can be kind of weird. So we have to make sure if we're going to be persecuted, it's really righteousness. Really righteousness. Man. Man. So much to say on this way beyond what I'm gonna have time to say can I just jump ahead to this Jesus said that if we're persecuted for righteousness and there are some things that we ought to be standing up for as Americans we ought to be standing up for righteousness in the sense of racial justice amen Martin Luther King died for his stand. But, you know, there are other issues that we're dealing with today. I mean, right now we're in, you know, gay pride month. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes we as Christians feel a lot of pressure to celebrate something that, you know, if you look back at the history of the church and you look at Scripture, is incompatible with Christian teaching. And, you know, we're not a church that... Hearts on this one issue, and we don't separate that lifestyle from any other lifestyle that we believe is contrary to the Word of God. You mean there are people who attend this church who don't probably don't even know where we stand on the issue of homosexuality. But I can tell you this: we stand with traditional biblical interpretation of Sex within a marriage between a man and a woman, that's God's way. And we love everybody. We love everybody. And somebody with same-sex attraction, you're loved, and you're welcome to come worship with us and explore what it means to be loved by God and called by God. And we make room for that kind of experience and in some ways experimentation with God and God's love and God's call. But we stand where we stand without, you know, being afraid that somebody's going to just call us bigots and haters and that sort of thing because we're not. We're not. We love you. We welcome you. We love you. But we can't celebrate something that what we see in the Scriptures doesn't call for celebration. And we're going to be persecuted by that in some circles here in America. And that's all right. And that's all right. We're willing to do it. All right? And I can say the same thing about taking a stand for innocent life in the womb. Man, if we are pro-life in American culture right now, especially in this kind of area, it it almost feels like we're, again, relegated to being haters and bigots and backwards and, you know, it's just men trying to control women or it's all about political power. When, you know, I I would just encourage anybody who doesn't, you know, see the same way as I'm describing right now uh, to consider this, that we have a genuine and well-founded conviction that the life in the womb is a human life with real personhood. And you can go through the Bible and you can see many occasions where God recognized the personhood of a child in the womb. And, you know, when we take stands for laws, we're not forcing our beliefs on somebody else. We are standing for the understanding that this is an innocent life someone who is not able to speak for themselves and who is defenseless, and we believe they should be protected in the womb. And that's very sincere. Yet, it's seen as backwards and bigoted. But that's okay, because Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted and insulted and falsely accused with regard to righteousness and with regard to him. What's going to happen? Great reward in heaven. Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great reward in heaven. And, you know, I don't have time to really go into this, but can I just say that we need to live the kind of Christian lifestyles with an understanding that Our full reward for following God and obeying Jesus and standing for righteousness and being His witnesses is not going to be here on earth. It's in heaven. Great is our reward in heaven. The best givers are those who understand the rewards don't come back to us here in this life necessarily, but we're storing up treasures in heaven. When we serve, we're able to serve and give ourselves Of ourselves to other people, to hurting people. Why? Because it's not all about us and just trying to grab something for us and get our reward here because you can't take it with you. No, we can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead of you. And that's what we're doing with taking a stand for righteousness. Great will your reward be in heaven. Amen? Amen? Amen. And then he says they persecuted the prophets who were before you in the same way. In other words, when we get persecuted, it's like getting a promotion. You know, anybody serving the military, you know, it was a real honor to get a promotion. When I was in the military, I was recognized as soldier of the year for my battalion. It felt good. The only bad thing is I was soldier of the year during peacetime. Now I feel kind of bad, like, what does soldier of the year during peacetime mean? It means absolutely nothing. But it felt kind of good to get the reward and get that recognition. Well, Jesus is giving you recognition, but I can tell you right now, you're not in a peacetime army. Our battles are not with flesh and blood. We're in a struggle with forces of evil in this world. But God's kingdom is advancing. And Jesus says, here's the reward. Here's the real reward. You know, not only do you have a great reward in heaven, not only do you get a promotion and you're like the prophets, man, the least of us here in this room who faces persecution or insults or any other kind of false accusations because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you're on a level with the prophets, the greatest people who ever lived, and yours is the kingdom of heaven, which is kind of crazy talking about going on a journey We started out with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, we've been on this progression. We end up right back where we started. Why? Because that's the greatest reward that could possibly be. Because when we're talking about yours is the kingdom of heaven, we're not talking about going to heaven someday. Jesus talked about that when he says great is your reward in heaven. But when he says yours is the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about right now, right now because the kingdom of heaven is not a place. The kingdom of heaven is where the king rules, and he rules and he reigns in us, and his presence is with us. His kingdom is within us, and that is the greatest reward that we could possibly receive. The king of kings and the Lord of lords lives in me. Hallelujah, he lives in you. And as we're aware of that, then what's the response when we face persecution? Rejoice and be glad. Oh, I don't want to rejoice and be glad because it hurts to be persecuted and insulted and rejected and face all that stuff. I like what R.T. Kendall said in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, what if someone reading these lines about blessed are the persecuted, what if someone reading these lines is being persecuted now? You may say, I'm not happy. Jesus says, you are. are. isn't that good? You are categorized, embarrassed, unvindicated, depressed, all elements of persecution. And so you say, I am still not happy. Again, R.T. Kendall says, but Jesus says that you are. You are. You are happy. Some of you are facing it. And it might not be big, it might not be dramatic, and it might not be volatile right now, but you are facing it or you have faced it, or you will because you're growing in Christ's likeness and you're taking a stand for righteousness, you're being a witness for Jesus, yes, in the character of Jesus and the love of Jesus, but you are going to be persecuted. So what do we do? Rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it because Jesus said I'm blessed. Jesus said I'm happy. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Anybody feel like rejoicing and be glad a little bit? Can we just do a little bit of worship again? Just a little bit of worship one more time. Are we ready? Got our team here. Yeah, this was a last-minute decision. I said, man, we, I can't preach and end up with worship, and we just stop. And I want to encourage you to worship. If you're watching online, you're with us, first of all, I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. Just ask him to come into your heart forgive you of your sins, be the Lord of your life. Recognize that he was was crucified on the cross for you, for me. He loved us so much that he was raised from the dead and promises us eternal life. He promises us, us heaven and he brings heaven here on earth. Not in the sense that everything's gonna be perfect because obviously it's not, but you're gonna have the king of kings, the king of heaven living in you. So let's worship. Are we ready, guys? All right, let's stand up. Let's worship the Lord. Well, let's just lift up our hearts right now. We see you for joining us today for revival leadership insights with ed crenshaw we hope you enjoyed today's episode and invite you to subscribe to our podcast and check us out at edcrenshaw.com for free resources